But if you start crafting your message without asking your customers whether they're responding that or how they're responding to the things you're putting out there, you are in that vacuum and you're potentially missing the mark of what it is. And I've just started doing this a lot more lately. I know when I started my business, I was crafting sort of my messages, you know, in that vacuum and they didn't always hit. And now I'm starting to see that the more I ask people and particularly those people who represent my ideal customer, either the ones that I've got or the ones that I want, just doing that little bit of market research and saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm putting this message together. I'd love to know what you think that is and whether that's something that's valuable to you. Thought Leaders Business Lab is for you, the business owner, entrepreneur, the expert in your field who wants to be seen and heard as the influential thought leader in your industry. My name is Samantha Riley and I've been building and growing businesses for over 26 years and I've learned there are three key areas to your success, your mindset, your talents and the people you surround yourself with. Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they've used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your co-host for today, Samantha Riley, joined here by my lovely and delightful co-host, Tim Hyde. Hi. Hey, Sam. Tim. How are you going? I'm doing very well. It's still sunny. Winter hasn't arrived, so I'm, I'm still good. <laughs> well, you're in Sydney, so it's always going to be a little bit warmer than it is down here in Canberra. Well, actually, yesterday, I put my hoodie on for the first time this year, and I said to Leon, I'm, so I actually said, I'm allowed to put my hoodie on because we're in Sydney, not because we're in Canberra, because I remember being there last year and being roasted by all the locals for putting the heater on before Anzac Day. <laughs> <laughs> Soft. Soft. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, I was out for a run this morning. My uh, my son in his you know lockdown exile has decided to turn into a a ripped Adonis sort of thing. That's awesome. That is so that work, is really cool. He's, he's working out heaps, and uh, as we were coming back from our run this morning, he um, we're talking to some of the tradies who are doing a, a construction just down the road from us, and 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 they suggested that he come and work on the building site. And I said, come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you can get fit, we're making a couple of grand and probably make some TikToks like they all do on building sites, I'm sure. That, that's right. And somewhere between uh, somewhere between home and the top of the hill where we run to, I uh, I left a lung behind. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter was chatting to me last night. She's doing exactly the same thing. She's gone from training once a day to training like three times a day. And uh, she went down to the beach the other day for a walk. And uh, and I've got to say, my daughter is extremely gorgeous. And the lifeguards pulled her aside and went, oh, you're not training today? <laughs> I've got nothing to watch. Funny <laughs> <laughs> uh, enough, on the weekend, I saw lots of people out walking. Mm. Uh, whether they were social distancing or not, I'm not really sure. But there were a lot of people out. Um, and I know from chatting to people who were on the coast, there were lots of people at the beach as well. Yeah, we, we went down to the beach on the weekend. We didn't hang mm. around, but we walked. I needed it for my mental health and my, and my fitness. And that, we did social distance. And everyone at the beach did social distance. And it was great. And, um, and I saw last night that we're one of the five countries in the world that have effectively flattened the curve. So big shout out to all you Aussies that have done it. We're like, well, we've got to keep doing it, right? But uh, we've flattened the curve and I think that's fantastic. If you want to connect with me, Tim Hyde, head over to winmoreclients.com.au forward slash connect. Or if you'd like to connect with Samantha Riley, you can find her at samantharileyglobal forward slash connect. 
today's episode, we're going to get into a bunch of Q&A. So mm -hmm. uh, I know, Sam, you getting absolutely smashed every couple of seconds mm -hmm. with someone reaching and, out to you with questions and I'm and you having too. a lot of the same. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having literally back-to-back half-hour appointments from 7 in the morning to 7 yep. in the evening. Yep. Yes, I silenced my messenger on the weekend because I felt like I needed a couple of days without 100 <laughs> messages a minute. <laughs> But not that I mind, I just needed a couple of days off. So um, we've taken some of these questions that we've been getting and we decided to put them together because I've always discovered or found that if one person asks a question, there's probably another 50 that have got the same question. And you and I have come up with some fantastic questions that we're going to cover off today. Yeah, I did see a thing several years ago that suggested if you had one negative complaint that it represented 20 people who felt the same way. Hmm. And which is quite a lot. That so, is a lot, isn't it? I don't know how true that is. I would say it's probably highly true. I'm I'm the person that doesn't complain. I don't like complaining. So I could see how that could work. You just don't go back to the same restaurant again, do you? Mm, oh, it all right. So sometimes I do give feedback. I don't actually I don't actually like complaining. And I'll tell you why. Because we're all human. And I know that I make mistakes in my business too. So I would rather than complain, I would rather actually open up a conversation with someone and offer them feedback because I would hope that someone would do that with me too. Absolutely. Anyway, that wasn't one of the questions. No, that was not one of the that questions. <laughs> but thanks for opening that door, Tim. Let's close that one and open yeah, the next right. one. Okay. Well, the first question that we had through, and this wasn't, this wasn't from one person. No. We had lots of people. Yeah, and people I think asking this. I'm going to frame this. I think the reason that I've had this so much is because a lot of people are using this time to really reflect and feel into where their business is going and saying, is this really what I want to be doing now? Am I heading in the right direction? Okay, I, uh, I think there's an underpinning, I guess, pressure that's also driving this, this question as well. Mm -hmm. And I've been using the metaphor of a house of cards. Now we know houses of cards are not very stable things. And when the table is not shaking, meaning the economy is good, you can build a pretty reasonable house of cards that is relatively sturdy. Mm. But as soon as those foundations start to shake a bit, as soon as you shake that table, the house of cards start to fall in on itself. Mm -hmm. And we do, I think we've got this situation right now is where we have rather than, you know, this buoyant economy where people just throw money left, right and centre. But we do have this situation right now where everyone is being a little bit more circumspect about what they're spending. Not that they're not spending, but they're being more circumspect. Mm -hmm. And those businesses that don't have the solid foundations of a strong marketing strategy, a strong value proposition, are starting to feel a bit shaky, starting to see those that house of cards fall down a little. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the question is, how do you craft a message that attracts the right people? And I think this is such a clever question to ask. So if you've been thinking this, well done for even thinking this because your message does need to be put together in a way that people understand and the right people are attracted to you because there's nothing worse than working with clients that you just don't feel comfortable working with, whether there's a misalignment in values, whether, you know, you just don't get along, whatever, whatever the reason is, we've all had, you know, what I call C clients or D clients. And we want to make sure that we're attracting as many A clients as possible, because that's what fuels us in business. That's what keeps us not just happy, but also doing our best work. So I think this is a really, really great, great question. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree, Sam. I think the one 
thing that I would advise here is that try not to craft your message in a vacuum. Oh, explain that, Tim. Okay. I think we often do this when we, we come into business and I don't particularly like saying customers are always right because I don't know that customers are always right. Sometimes they don't know what they don't know. But if you start crafting your message without asking your customers whether they're responding that or how they're responding to the things you're putting out there, you are in that vacuum and you're potentially missing the mark of what it is. And I've just started doing this a lot more lately. I know when I started my business, I was crafting sort of my messages, you know, in that vacuum and they didn't always hit. And now I'm starting to see that the more I ask people and particularly those people who represent my ideal customer, either the ones that I've got or the ones that I want, just doing that little bit of market research and saying, Hey, look, I'm, I'm putting this message together. I'd love to know what you think that is and whether that's something that's valuable to you. Mm, I really like that. I've done something similar and, and I'm going to say here that I'm always playing around with my message as well. I'm always trying to tweak it and make it just that little bit better. I, I think that, you know, times change. So a lot of people are, are changing their message slightly to match, you know, what's going on in the world. But I asked someone the other day what they thought I did and it was super insightful. It's really insightful to ask someone else what they think, not just what they think you do, but what they feel your genius zone is. So the person I asked was someone that I've worked with as he's been a client of mine for many years. We've also worked as joint venture partners quite a lot just recently. So he's had a lot of insights into what I do. And so to hear him unpack what he believed my genius zone is and what I bring to the table was extremely insightful. Yeah, I did that. Uh, actually, I did that a couple of years ago with my bookkeeper, who'd actually been my bookkeeper for, I don't know, four or five years at that stage. And we sat down and she said, don't you do advertising? Oh, God. Oh, oh wow. I am so far off the mark. <laughs> if that's what you think I do. But it is a very valuable thing. And I think it's a good idea to ask not only, you know, trusted advisors, um, like if you've got a business coach, you know, ask them what it is. But again, go to those key partners or either referral partners or, or key customers and ask those questions. I think that one about what do you what do you think my genius is is a is a fantastic question that you should you know put and and use that information to kind of mould and evolve what you say. And the, mm. the more you do it, you know, I think that the quicker your your business will grow. You're more more of the ideal customer you'll attract, and you'll enjoy your business a lot more as well. Absolutely, I've got a little acronym that I use to help people unpack this. And the first question that you need to ask yourself is what keeps you driven? Because whatever it is that keeps you driven is the thing that, that excites you. So what is it that keeps you driven? So the acronym is around keep, which is first, what is your knowledge? What is the, you know, what is your degree or your the job that you've been doing? What is your expertise? So what is the specific genius zone within that knowledge or within, you know, your what it is that you do? The second E is for experience. What are your life experiences that you bring to the table? That gives another dimension to what it is that you do. And the last piece is passion. So what are you passionate about? The interesting thing about passion is that you can either use that to really deep dive into your niche or you can use it in your branding. So, so the acronym is KEEP, knowledge, expertise, experience and passion. That's awesome. Now, second, the second question we had come in, actually, this one was from Karina. It was on a, um, a webinar last week to a group of wellness, wellnesspreneurs. And Karina asked, how do we handle losing clients? Hmm. Give us some context around this, Tim. Um, I think, uh, obviously, Karina was um, concerned about 
you know, with COVID and, and downturn that a lot of people are sort of saying, I, I can't continue. And, and certainly, you know, my networking group, I've, no, I've noticed a bunch of people saying, oh, well, I, I, I can't continue with the networking right now. I've got to sort of tighten the belt. And we go through these periods where we do have to, to do this. And I think everyone at some point loses clients. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the economic impact of losing a client to your business, but it's also the kind of emotional um, oh, impact absolutely. as well, isn't it? You know, absolutely. it's almost like, well, did you not love me anymore? Yeah. <laughs> what did I do wrong? Yeah. But I think, um, you know, my advice, I actually stole from Suits, the TV show. Oh, good show to steal it from. Because <laughs> right. there's this scene where, um, and I can't remember the young fellow's name, Mike, right? Mike loses a client and, and Harvey, the old and, and wiser um, lawyer says, and very hot. And very hot. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. Um, <laughs> Uh, it says, it turns to Mike and says, well, I think you've just got to remember this one, this one thing is the day you win a client is the day you start losing them. And I'd like to take that actually further because I think if we're doing our job correctly, we actually make, should be making ourselves redundant. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's a bit like kids, you know, they're fabulous for a little while, but you want to push them out of home eventually. Right? So that was, that was my advice to Corinne. Uh, firstly, accept that the day you start winning a client, the day you win a client is the day you start to lose them. And you should expect at some point that you've made yourself redundant. You've actually solved that client's problem to the point where it's no longer a problem and they no longer need you. I'm going to give a different take on that because okay. I don't think that we do need to lose a client every time we take on a client. And I think. Well, no, not taking on a client. Yeah. But we, we potentially. Just, just in case that. that people have taken that like, Oh, that's okay. I can lose clients. Cause really I think that we need to be thinking if we do lose clients, that there's something that's missing. There's something that they're not getting. So this is the time where we need to realign and possibly innovate because let's face it, in the wellness industry, there will be some change because they can't deliver the way that they've always delivered in a personal, you know, space. So they are going to have to innovate. And I've seen this a lot in... um, the dance industry too because that was that's an industry that I've been, was in for a long time where you know for gosh the whole 20 years that I was teaching it was you know one on one or one to many with children in a classroom well we can't do that at the moment so it's about innovating how can we deliver in a way that is specific to now because i think that's what they spe- that this question was specifically around you know what's going on now so how can we innovate our delivery and how can we realign to what people want right now their goals might be different now to what they were 2 months ago So we may need to sharpen up our message or we may need to change up how we're delivering to our client to make sure that we're delivering exactly what it is that they need right now in a way that they can participate, I guess. All right. Now, that's awesome. Question three. This one I came in from, from, uh, from John. And this one was, how do you serve with integrity or, or from integrity, but still pay the bills? Mm, this is, when you said this one, I was like, this is super intriguing to me. Super intriguing. Because the first thing that came up from, for me was, wouldn't we be serving from in- integrity like all the time anyway? Well, we were talking offline about how we sort of feels like business as usual in many ways. Yeah. And I think if you're not coming from a position of integrity anyway, well, that's a very, that's a very different question. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you some context of John's situation, John's a gym owner, has around 20, 25% of his customer base. Also discounting has realigned and delivering stuff online now, but is also delivering a lot more. So his, you know, his workload has massively increased. Mm. He's lost customers and he's, you know, and he's discounting. Mm-hmm. 
right? And I think as a result of this, that's actually um, starting to put a lot of pressure. Now, yes. I want to sort of give you some quick numbers here. If you want to do them in your head, you can. But if you lose 20% of your customer base and then you discount by a further 20% to keep Before. the remainder on, mm. you're, you're at about 64% of your previous Mm-hmm. Um, previous revenue. Mm-hmm. If you then increase the amount of stuff you're doing, you're then squeezing what little margin you had left, if you still have margin, by increasing the costs that you have associated with doing so. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the question here. It's like, well, for me, I kind of wonder whether that actually starts to tell the remainder of his customer base that maybe he was not, you know, what was the value of what he was delivering before. And I, I know from sort of looking at your expression on your face, Sam, that you, you potentially thinking the same thing it's so look i just want to say it is a really hard time for a lot of people and we definitely were having that conversation before we started recording there's a lot of different types of businesses and they're all going through something unique in different industries some industries are absolutely like going through the roof right now like if i was making perspex plastic you know, guards for supermarkets. I would have been rubbing my hands together a few weeks ago. Like, face masks. <laughs> we, we, we've got to understand that not every industry is going through a downturn. Some industries are going through a downturn. Some are not affected at all. And we've got to be very careful that we don't get caught in thinking one way or the other. And I I want to say that first because I don't want to offend anyone that has lost clientele because there are businesses that are going through a really tough time. However, yeah, I think that it's a very slippery slope if you're going to be discounting and especially if you're offering more value. I know that my daughter's gym, she's still paying her gym fees, very happy to still be paying her gym fees, um, has borrowed equipment. So her gym has actually lent out all the equipment. I'm not quite sure how it works, whether they share it around, whether it's like a library and they swap it over. I'm not really sure about that, but they're getting specific training schedules or training programs based on what they've borrowed. I think that is brilliant. She thinks it's even better than a normal gym because she's got something that's more personalized. So that has a perceived value that doesn't need to be discounted. Yep. Yeah, I think I'm very reluctant to discount. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, we've got another question that's coming about sort of bartering or swapping yes. services or, or, you know, doing on credit, which we'll get to as well. But, yeah, be very careful about discounting because it actually starts to devalue what it is before and you're going to find it very, very difficult to then reestablish that value mm. at a later point. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So it's not a question of integrity. It's a question of valuing what it is that you're delivering, albeit that delivery might be through a different method than it was previously. Whether that then survives lockdown, you know, it remains to be seen. That's, I guess that's a decision that you'll make that's unique to your business. But uh, I do want to touch on one thing, though, before you move on, Tim, and it's not in the context that John asked this question, but it could be taken. So I want to cover it off just in case someone's thought of this. If they're thinking, I still need to pay the bills, but I'm scared to, you know, that there's this integrity piece, like I'm, I'm, I'm worried to sell. I believe that this is all around the intention. If you know that the person that you're selling to is going to get value, then that's not actually an issue. If, however, the intention is purely to pay the bills and you're selling to anyone, then that's where the integrity piece comes in. And it's a little bit shaky. You need to focus on the intention of getting your clients the outcomes before you focus on paying the bills or having the sole focus of paying the bills. Does that make sense? Yes. 
Well, that's me. Hopefully it does to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, you're used to my rambles. It might make sense to you. Hopefully it makes sense to everyone. <laughs> we get there. We get there eventually. Okay, now the question, one of the questions that we're getting, and I'm, I'm sure many of you are getting this question as well, mm. is do you do discounts or extend credit or barter services? Mm. And these are all different, I think. I think that the discounts, the extending credit and bartering services are three different, you know, it's, it's not the same thing. I'm not a fan of bartering services. Why is that? I feel that the value can get muddied in that someone thinks that their service is worth more than someone else's service or because there's no money exchanged, there isn't the same outcome or wanting to get the same outcomes as someone that pays for a service. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of bartering services ever, to be honest. Yeah. I have done it a few times and I don't like it. Well, we, we do barter services. We just barter them via cash as the intermediary. <laughs> well, we're talking about bartering services for no cash, aren't we? Tim yeah. Hyde, I'm waving my penny. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm not, I'm, for the same reason, I'm not a huge, a huge fan. And particularly when someone sort of proposes a barter and there are services that I'm not particularly, you know, look, I don't really need them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and if I don't need them, I don't value them the same way that someone else who does need those services. Right? Mm. So I think just... You know, if you're going to do so with a really clear understanding and conversation about the value of the exchange and, you know, and, and be very sure that you want the thing that is being offered mm. in barter. Mm. I'd prefer just to, quite honestly, um, and I actually do this, with, uh, there's a specific service I'm thinking of where myself and someone else, we pay for each other and it's actually the same amount per month, but we still pay as per normal. I still pay his bills and he still pays my bills. It's not a barter. It's it's a zero sum game. Exactly. Yeah. I think if you are going to barter, just be very careful. Have a chat with your accountant. Something that that Sam and I can't advise on here, um, whether that will attract any GST or anything. Yeah. Not our wheelhouse. Not our wheelhouse. Okay, so discounts. We've talked a little bit about discounts. We're not not a fan of discounts. No. I'm trying not to do it, but yep. change, you know, as we talked about, pivot, realign, change mm-hmm. what it is you're offering to a format that, that your customer can board or, or you know, buy differently. My, my favourite saying, if someone asks me for a discount, it says I can always do less. Mm, absolutely. Or I can do the same amount, you know, but it might be over a longer period, which makes it more affordable for you. Yeah, so I think uh, I understand that there are some people that are doing a little bit tough right now. So I think there's two ways you can go about it. What you just said, hey, well, look, I can offer that, but I can take these services away and you get just this. Or you may extend the credit rather than offer a discount to take a service away. Uh, possibly you may discuss extending a credit maybe over an extra few months so that it's like a little bit less per month but over a a longer period that's something that you need to discuss but i'm not a fan of discounts um i would agree and i think uh, you know interesting point around that extending credit uh and i've been asked to extend credit on a couple of services lately i think there are two things that we need to think about there firstly if you're going to consider extending credit be very very clear about what your cost of service is Mm -hmm. because if you start extending credit for services that actually cost you more to deliver you may find yourself going backwards in order to deliver service to a customer that you know you're then exposed to should they default on those credit terms. And on that, make sure that you have got everything in writing. It's an email, make sure you've got a specific date that you're going back to. Maybe you've either got specific dates that it needs to be paid or if you've had to put something on hold for a client, 
make sure that you've got a specific date that you're having that conversation again. So make sure everything's in writing and it's very clear to both parties exactly what's happening. That's right. I think a better option if you are going to extend terms of credit is to use one of the short-term funders Mm -hmm. that are out there. So I'm thinking ZipPay or Afterpay Afterpay. or QuickFee, some of those ones where that you can, I mean, you'll get the money for your services, you get paid up front and your client pays those, those organisations you know, their, their money over a longer period of time that might suit payment schedule. Mm-hmm. And it usually involves a bit of an admin fee as well. Mm-hmm. So you can speak to a, a commercial finance broker or any of those organisations and they'll be able to help you set up that if you want something you want to offer to your clients. And at this time, it's probably not such a bad idea to look at as an option. Absolutely. Awesome. Next question that I know that you've had a lot, Tim, because you do a lot of networking is how to make the most of online networking opportunities. I know I've actually stepped my networking up. Does that sound weird? No, I have too. It doesn't sound weird at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, you know, five or six networking, online networking events a week right now. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say the opportunities there have been quite phenomenal. I mean, mm. the depth of relationship isn't there that you normally get when you go to a single group, you know, week in, week out, or every fortnight or even every month. Um, because you're not seeing the same people as often. Right? But what we are getting from online networking that wasn't really available to us before is the opportunity to meet people from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Right? So I've been, you know, I've been in networking events that are in the US that I would, would never normally be able to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but now starting to make some connections over there. BX Networking, which I'm a member of, you know, I've been connecting to people all over Australia and the depths of relationships I'm starting to build there, you know, even to the point where we're now sort of getting together with a couple of people and having virtual drinks, yeah, right, to kind of deepen the relationship and, and talk about things that are either business or non-business related. But I think the fundamentals about networking is there's still the two rules apply, right? Firstly, you've got to show up and then you've got to follow up. <laughs> Yeah, I found it. So when, as we were putting this show together and, and you said this is a question, my first reaction was, I don't understand this question. Isn't it exactly the same as offline? But, you know, as we unpacked, I thought, oh, people probably do feel that it's different because the medium that we're connecting with people is different. But it is exactly the same. We still we still need to have the same conversations. We still need to to follow up. Yeah. Um, and I, I have seen a few people who was like, you know, I don't want to attend these things. I'm just going to sort of hunker down. But I think we, we've got to remember that networking, whether it be face-to-face or online, is about building depth of relationship. Mm. And the deeper those relationships become, the more valuable those relationships are for our business. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that one of the things that is coming out of this, you know, the global being gripped by this pandemic is that business owners are quite open to helping each other. We are all going through exactly the same experience the whole way across the world. It's not just a a localized area. It's the whole world's going through this. And I have seen small business owners coming together and wanting to help each other. And I've actually seen that the, uh, the networking opportunities are delivering, I guess, better results in the sense that where before, if, if business was a bit easy, someone might forget that they were going to help someone. Now I'm noticing it not as much. People are really, really wanting to make sure that they're helping each other. And I think that's really fantastic. Last question that I had was, how do you 
write an email. <laughs> How do you write an email? How do you write an email? This was a really weird one, actually. And I was, I was a little bit taken aback by this question. And it wasn't necessarily from the technical standpoint of, you know, how do I create a broadcast email in my in my marketing automation platform? It was what goes into this email. And I think this is a really interesting one because as experts in our field, we have an absolute wealth of information. We have mm-hmm. so much that we could talk about. Mm. Right? And you know when someone's really good at something because they get super passionate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> they go, oh my God, this is amazing. Right? They can sit there with some popcorn and, and, and watch it <laughs> unfold. Yeah, yeah. Right? But I mean, when we start to break it down, you know, break down how do, I, how do I construct an email that I want to kind of communicate to my network and how often should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. It, it, I think is they're really interesting questions. I think, you know, certainly how often we should be doing it, the answer is more mm-hmm. than we currently, than you think is necessary. You will not bug your customers. No, if they don't want to hear from you, they'll unsubscribe. And from what I've seen, if people unsubscribe, they were never going to stay subscribed anyway. Yeah, they were never your customer in the first place. No, and you're better off with a cleaner list. You're actually better off with them unsubscribing because your open rates will go up. Yep. The, the, the second part of that was what do I put in this email? Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of had this rule of, of five things, right? The first one is give some context. Mm-hmm. I think it's really fantastic when we start to use stories. So I was talking to my friend Sam the other day. That's my context, right? Talk about the problem. Sam mentioned this, right? How do I build a landing page in 24 hours? Or how do I write an email? Third part is put some context around what the impact of that problem is. Mm-hmm. So this is how it was holding Sam back. Fourth thing is the tip. Mm-hmm. Right, so how do you how this is the tip I gave to overcome this, and the last thing is the call to action, what to do next. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it doesn't necessarily mean go to my landing page and watch my webinar, like the Knowledge Business Launch Formula, which you can all jump on this week. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it might be just look out for my next email where I'm going to talk about this other thing. Mm-hmm. Right, and you'll see that if so, when you follow that formula, you'll find yourself being able to sort of write much much more easily, being able to write emails. Now it could be. One sentence for each thing, one paragraph, not one page. That's too much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's one sentence to one paragraph on each of those points and you'll find yourself being able to write emails a lot more easily. Absolutely. I just was on the, the Business Geeks podcast. I record two podcast episodes back to back. And this was something that I actually shared on that podcast is that when you share a story, you're more likely to have someone read the whole thing. So I was specifically talking about it on that episode in relation to a book, but an email is the same. If you share a story, people are more likely to read it. If you go straight to the tips, people are less likely to read it and more likely to scan it. So stories are very, very powerful to, to bring people into your world and to really understand because they, they, exactly like you said, they provide context. Yeah, so, but also it allows people to put themselves into it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, they see themselves in the story. So allow, allow your readers to be the hero of your story. Absolutely. Okay, next week. That's all yep. our Q&A for this week. Of it course, is. you know, we're, we're very open to if you've got a question and you want to send it in, please do so. We'd love to answer it on, a, on an upcoming Q&A episode. So uh, how but- can you do that? You can to the Thought Leaders Business Lab Community Facebook group and post your question in there with hashtag question and we will get to it or on any of the discussion threads, pop your question below. But okay. Yes, next week, Tim, 
next week. Or we can actually, you know, it's something we've been talking about for a little while, Knowledge Business Launch Formula, which we're in the process of launching ourselves. We are running a live training called Design, Build and Launch Your Online Program in 30 Days or Less. So if you're on the east coast of Australia, we are going to be in your computer, <laughs> in your earbuds on Thursday, April 23rd at 12 p.m., or Wednesday, April 22nd at 7 p.m. Pacific or 10 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. And we're going to do the same thing again on the 30th, but different times. So just keep an eye out for those as well. Um, And we're going to unpack a little bit about what we're doing right now to launch our own program. Absolutely. So that's what we're going to talk about next week, how to, or we're going to share behind the scenes of our launch process, how we've put our program together and how we are building it and how we're launching it. Sam, great to chat to you again. Thank you so much, Tim. And thank you for you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple and give us a a rate and review. And don't forget to leave your name there so we can give you a shout out. Leave your website there. We'd love to give you a shout out on the show. Looking forward to seeing you next week, Tim. Absolutely. And you too, Sam. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.